We can do whatever we want on the program, like I said. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And feel free to uh, continue to talk about fuck shit and whatever else. Yeah. Oh, want. I love talking about fuck shit. <laughs> now, remember, your students might hear this, so. <laughs> they that know is how I feel. Okay. Okay. Like, this is a, I like the word. I like the F word. You can use oh. it in so many different ways. Adjective, adverb, uh-huh. verb. I love it. Started. It's like one of the only words that you could really do that with. It's kind of a main yes. word. All parts of speech. It's my favorite word. <laughs> All right, big city ass. Kansas City. How you feeling? Welcome to Center Cuts. I'm your host, Patrick Spray, and today we are so thrilled to have our guest, Amber Underwood. How are you doing, Amber? Hey, guys. Hey, Kansas City. Oh, yeah. I love it. And I had to ask you, Amber, I know you as Flutie Nastiness, so I I hesitated. Is it Amber Flutie Nastiness Underwood? Is it Amber Underwood, a.k.a. Flutie Nastiness? Or is it just Flutie Nastiness dropped in? Hey, I will take yeah. all three. I've also heard, hey, Miss Nat, Flute Nasty. I've heard, hey, Miss um, Flutie Fantastic. I like Ooh, that one. That one's good, too. Um, I know, right? Um, I've heard it all. So um, I I will say hello to all of them. So <laughs> in, in addition... But- in addition to being an incredible artist, Amber is also an educator. So now my question is, do your students call you Miss Flutie Nastiness? Oh, no, 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 no. They call oh. me Underwood <laughs> or Miss Band Director, whatever, okay. Underwood. Understood. That's it. <laughs> so it's just other people Period. calling you Miss Flutie Nastiness. Yeah. And normally, if you just know me, just call me Amber. Okay. <laughs> just Amber. <laughs> thanks, thanks for clarifying for the audience when they approach you on the street. Yeah. Um, Happy to say we are Zooming live from our producer, Chris Mowry's home. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Welcome welcome back to the big city. I know you yeah. had some travels. To, was it Georgia? Yeah. Um, Devin and I traveled for her cousin's wedding down to Atlanta, and we were only in that area for a short period of time. Then we drove out to the boonies for the wedding. Okay. I can't even tell you exactly what the city was because it was way out there. Got you. I want to hear all about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we decided to Zoom. We not for safety concerns. We've all got a lot of stuff going on, and we're getting ready for the holidays. Thursday. Oh yeah, I'm I'm hosting Thanksgiving, so that's why I was like, probably best that I don't know yeah. what state the house will be in. You know, like try to get everything ready for that. So, me too. Me too. Got a honeydew list. That's my own creation a mile long. Yeah. Um, so, we are here today to learn a little bit about Amber. And we always like to start with a calendar too, Amber. I don't know if I dropped that on you in the notes where is there anything coming up in your life? And it could be like, you know, again, performances, stuff with school, things that you're excited about doing in the next few weeks or month that you want to share with the audience, our massive audience. Uh, Well, um, I do have a few things coming up. Um, The first thing is I'm doing a show with Calvin Arsenia. Um, November 27th at the Kansas City Museum, starting at uh, 1.30, 1.30. Yes. Um, it'll be, it's going to be just a nice, intimate um, space in the brand new Kansas City Restored Museum um, that's coming up. Uh, we just decided to team up together because uh, we're kind of, we're kind of similar artists a little bit. And so we thought it'd be really cool to kind of 
bring our our um, our powers together, um, and also just show people another side of us because they kind of see us kind of rocking out on stage, but actually we um, it's going to be more kind of traditional classical side um, of traditional Christmas music, but Love also it. also with our of course our beautiful personalities together we're going to definitely put on a nice little program. And then um, following next week, December 3rd, um, I'll be opening up for Layla Hathaway. That's going to be at the gym, gym theater. Heck yeah, I saw so, that. Yes. So that should be really fun. Um, I believe tickets are on sale. You can get them um, through the gym. And then that later that night, I'm teaming up with one of my good friends, Chalice O'Neill at the Black Box. from um, Chalice. Yes. From uh, starting at 1030, 1030 that night till about. 12 30 12 45 and we're playing all original stuff from our album we're going to come together and we've been wanting to do something like this but we just haven't had a chance to and um i know me and chalice we've been friends for a really really long time and he just said you've inspired me and get back on my music and he i remember having this conversation a year ago with him he's like i want to drop, drop my album and now here we are and he dropped his album and so we're going to come together and do a show um that's december 3rd um, I'm trying to think what else um, I'm doing. A, um, I'm, I have my own flute studio, so I'm taking my kids up to the Blue Room on December 11th, and they're going to showcase what they've been doing, kind of like a flute showcase. Cool. Um, What's that date? That's going to be December 11th at one o'clock, and so it's open to the public. Um, the museum really likes to showcase you know, the youth and educational programs. So we'll be at the Blue Room, but the museum will be open where people can just pass through, but you'll get to see a live performance from the students. And um, I'm trying to think what else. And the other big thing, um, we're gonna have a kick-ass band at Corvino's for uh, for New Year's Eve. So I'm um, doing my band and we're gonna have a great old time. So those are kind of some of the, off the top of my head um some of the other things are private stuff but okay but yeah that's kind of what's kind of coming up around the corner i what a those the, the original three things you mentioned there with calvin layla hathaway and chalice i mean that yeah. should let the audience know the kind of company you're keeping uh. <laughs> the, i saw layla at the last time they had the jazz festival yeah for, I, outside uh, i remember that was a couple like years so ago. long ago yeah, I remember that. I was there. She was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. she was before Brandy. And on the other yes. side was John Schofield and uh, freaking Chick Corea. Yeah, um, I, yeah I forgot that Brandy was on that show. Brandy crushed it. <laughs> it's such a weird. Yeah, I love that night. Everyone, yeah. that, it was a good night. That festival got a bad rap. That Friday night was phenomenal. Yeah, I remember that night. The rest of the weekend. It wasn't their fault. Yeah. Um, and Donnie Hathaway is like, I don't know, top three vocal. I cry every time I hear a song for you. Um, and oh then my God. I, that song is classic. Yeah. And then Chalice, I mean, he works with um, Jade from the Black Creatures and Orquesta del Sol Sol. Yes. Yep. I'm so excited about that new record. I don't know that I've ever and seen Jessica, And Jessica Ayala. Heck yeah. yeah. Yes. Is that a solo show he's going to do? Is he going to have a band with him? Or well, like, I think it's Jessica's thing, but I think he's part of all of that. He feature he he's on that album. Okay, um, but I mean that, his new that project. His performance with you at the Black Box is he with a band, or is he going to um, be? Solo? It's, with, it's with the Soul Patrol. It's my band. Well, 
we okay. kind of share. Yeah, so I'm bringing the people that I normally play with, um, you know, like Desmond Mason and um, James Ward and um, Brad Williams on drums and Chalice plays with those guys too. So it just yeah. made sense. And so, you know, those guys know his stuff. They know my stuff and we're going to come together. And, you know, he played on my album. I played on his album. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think when Chalice played Lemonade Park, he had Brad and Desmond uh, up there with them. That's a freaking wrecking crew right there. And James, yeah. I mean, yep. again, impressive company. And then that the performance with the students on the 11th sounds phenomenal. Um, yeah. I, did, I just want to say, too, from what I understood, you and Calvin were also interested in doing potentially, you know, private performances. Or is that still how can people track you down to do that? Well, we're, you know, Calvin's so busy. <laughs> so, you know, Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, my God, Amber. He's a, you know, we're just trying to make it work within our schedules. And we've been wanting to do some stuff together you know he I don't be putting his business out there but he, he took flute lessons for me yeah. for like six seven months yeah months at least um, yeah. and he's a pretty decent flute player yeah and so um just all around great artists and just wants to learn new things and become you know to add to his show and stuff like that and so um I was like we should totally do something <laughs> Yeah. And when we came up, it was like in the middle of June. So when we shot the promos, it was like 100 degrees outside. And so we had already planned on wanting to do something later on because um, I know he was going to be gone like the summer and touring and stuff like that. So uh, this was kind of just a first step of trying to put something together. And um, I know we had talked about some maybe some stuff in the future, you know, but this was just kind of like getting our hands and feet wet and trying this out because I think we're kind of on the same page and we can talk about this a little later about you know talking about venues and trying to come up with um being creative of how you know getting not only our music out but getting you know us out and creating new opportunities for ourselves and not relying on certain venues do you see sure. what I'm saying? yeah, sure. yeah. so that's kind of where we're at and we're starting with um, this Mary and Bright uh, Christmas concert. You're both natural collaborators, and I think you both like to explore. He busted the flute out, Chris, at Record Bar this summer. Do you remember when that show yeah. from Nate got moved? I do. I was like, I don't know he played the flute. <laughs> well, I knew he was doing some lessons. I didn't know if he had any mastery of it, I and mean, I should have known, knowing Calvin. Well, people are going to catch me singing on a tune, and I don't think people know that I play saxophone as well. So um, I, I do, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but people see me on flute, and so, you know, going forward, especially on my next project and everything, you're going to hear more singing and, you know, sax playing and yeah, other stuff, yeah, so. Okay, I mean, again, this will be dated, so the Kansas City Museum event will have passed, but I would, I'm so excited to see that new space. We've been talking with them. About oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I can't wait, um, but if people would are interested in, you know, maybe a performance for you two, can they just message you on Facebook or? Um, actually, you can get, you can get tickets on Eventbrite, but I think it's already sold out. <laughs> I'm talking, I, I mean, for like future, like private. Oh, for future stuff. Yes. You could definitely check um, my website, um, social media, okay. message me, things like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations on all those. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mowry, you have anything cooking? Do I? Uh, do I? Uh, yeah. So 
as some people know, I'm, I'm, I've transitioned from record bar and now part owner over at journey pro, uh, wrestling. And, uh, we have uh, my first show that I've done a lot of the booking for, uh, DJ and I have been working on it. Um, and that is Friday, black Friday. Thanks killing at blip coffee roasters. <laughs> um, so I've been doing that and, uh, that's a lot of my time lately has been, uh, spent on my phone. Uh, a lot of Twitter, D, like I D, DMs in all forms of social media and like emails with the athletic commission. And like, just, it's, uh, it's all new to me, but, uh, it's exciting and it's fun. Uh, it's, it's like when I first started doing music stuff and I would like book a show and I'd be like, yeah, and get like yeah. excited about it. You know, <laughs> like it's a, like similar feeling, uh, doing this now. Um, also, I just want to shout out DJ Stewart. Um, he had a recent short film, uh, documentary film made about him uh, called Rare Enough. Um, it's about his battle with uh, his uh, rare brain cancer and, and things like that. And it just won Best Documentary at the LA International Film Festival. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So uh, congrats to him and the team that helped make that uh, film happen. Um, so yeah, well, we don't know what that means exactly, like how that <laughs> affects anything, but that's a hell of an accomplishment. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Um, so we're doing that and then we have another show in December, December 17th will be, um, another, uh, journey pro show out there at blip coffee. Okay. I read the article, Chris, you had shared, was that KCUR? I was Flatland, Flatland oh, so News. Flatland. I had yeah. no idea. I didn't know his, I mean, what an incredible story. He's basically, every day is a new day. You know, it's another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, you know, he was told he had 12 months to live and he's going on three years now. So, you know, know. like just keep fighting and does it like I, he, in his, in the story, he says he's never Googled his prognosis of yeah. like the, the cancer that he has. It's just amazing. Like. I, I'm a worry, a worrier. So I would, if somebody's like, you have this, I'd be like, clickety, 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 clickety. <laughs> like, let me find yeah. out exactly what this means, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, he just basically was like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm, it's not going to take me out. So yeah. Um, was it, yeah, it's was, incredible. Was it his grandfather maybe had been diagnosed with cancer? And then someone said something like, you know, when he got that diagnosis, that was like the start of the end, like knowing that. Um, mm, yeah, I think recently, so. Yeah, I recently had a health scare. And again, I realized so many people have so many problems with the pandemic. We talked about social injustice this past year. So mm. I'm not like whining, but I just think more and more people are realizing I got one shot, <laughs> one day at a time. I'm going to, I'm going to shut out the negativity. I'm going to not you know ignore problems but do what i what i have the chance to do while i can do it you know on yeah. physically mentally able and take some risks which i think all three of us are doing yeah so, and you and uh you only got one shot and you cannot miss your chance to blow because yeah. this opportunity only comes once in a lifetime heck yeah <laughs> are you gonna get that me was, a, that was sorry <laughs> that was also a, a joke to kind of break up the levity a little <laughs> it's like it's like before noon amber's ready to drink we've already discussed yeah. it. <laughs> um 
I'll be brief then. We have a big show tomorrow night, night before Thanksgiving at the Brick. We want to give them a shout out for welcoming back live music. I think maybe this is only their third or fourth event in the last year and a half. Um, the Black Creatures are super excited to partner with Lava Dreams. We've been doing some work with Lava on some photo shoots. They are just incredibly talented musical artist and filmmaker as well. Um, there's a ton of stuff going on tomorrow. I know Haha ha Tonka is at Record Bar for their annual event, the Freedom Affairs at the Ship for their annual event. So it's really like feeling kind of like a normal Thanksgiving time. And they're just a slew of events the next few days. I know Hembry's in town and be at the Truman. Uh, that actually was just postponed, like oh, as what? of like an hour ago. Um, they announced it on their Facebook, but oh. the, the guys uh, are COVID positive and are not feeling very well. So they are going to have to postpone the show till February. So bummer. Thanks. We've yep. been talking... We've been talking about the Truman a little bit, Amber. Chris and I went to a show there last month. I'm excited to see making movies there next month. Mm. Um, also, this weekend is the album release for Frog Pond. Which oh, right. It was a pretty seminal 90s alternative rock all-female group. So mm -hmm. they nice. kind of reformed and added some new members, including our own Michelle Bacon. From Michelle the Bacon. Us. That's a sold-out show at Record Bar on Saturday um, that I'm... Wow. very excited about reliving my youth next month um there's a new club that i went to last week nighthawk it's in the basement of chris is that um kansas city hotel baby yeah they've changed names a couple times it's kansas city hotel yeah that's uh, the place that's the place that Devin and i uh stayed on our anniversary uh um, oh, that's great we had uh dinner at uh nighthawk yeah, the yeah. the town company is the restaurant there that is absolutely outrageous. Okay, just absolutely incredible. Um, uh, yeah, that place is fantastic. They're doing a lot of good things over there at the Kansas City Hotel. I had no idea. So their their official opening is this Friday, November twenty sixth. Calvin's going to be there uh, December third, and we went to a secret show with Crystal and Cat King on the invitation of Manor Records last week. It is a beautiful space. It's, it's crazy. It's really, I'm excited to see where they go. Um, the following week, December 10th, and not to talk up our artists only, but Calvin is gonna do a performance with Second Presbyterian Church that we partner with. Amber, I need to get you over there. I, <laughs> I don't go to church myself, but they're a very inclusive community and they've welcomed in a lot of artists outdoors. Nice. Calvin had some winter events with them previously. And so he's- Where are they located again? 55th and Brookside Boulevard. It's right oh, okay. by Saxois, the French restaurant. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I know exactly where you're talking about now. And so Calvin's doing a benefit for the church and for an organization, Open Table, that basically supports anti-racism in our community. Oh. Um, that same night, Schwervon, one of my favorite bands ever, is with the creepy jingles and true lines back at the brick. Shiners the next night at Record Bar. Herman Mahari's going to be at the 1900 building. I He's think back, coming back in the in the in the city. Heck the yeah, <laughs> we got to see him a little bit when he was here last month. I mean, a couple of his new releases, his passion, the pandemic are just phenomenal. Oh yeah. Radkey takes over Record Bar both nights, December 17th and 18th, and then, as I mentioned, we are officially announcing our. Christmas After Hours with Calvin and the Black Creatures at Record Bar Christmas Night. So if y'all are looking for Ooh. something new, when you're tired of the relatives and you need one last cup of eggnog, 
come on out and join us. We want to continue to try to bring attention to our independent venues here in Kansas City that need our support uh, to keep a very valuable part of our economic ecosystem alive. That's it for me. Anything else, you two? I don't I think so. All those, I didn't get all those listings that you just said. <laughs> just <laughs> so I can like keep them right. Because <laughs> some okay. of those I didn't even know about and like new spaces because I just like to discover new spaces here in Kansas City. Um, now that I've, you know, I've lived in the city now a couple of years and every, I swear every time I go out, I find some new place that I didn't know or discover, you know, here in yeah. the city. And so I'd be like, oh, what's that? Or, ooh, or something new opened or, and it's not, you have to like seek it out a little bit because it's not always in viewing. Like you said, that other place is kind of like down in the hotel of the, you know, like mm -hmm. these really cool spaces, but I had no idea that they even existed, you know? It's a, so. it's a real need here. And again, that's one of the reasons the label Center Cut started was, you know, we just saw new creative spaces where artists, especially up and coming artists could, you know, kind of cut their teeth a little bit. I like that. I like, I like that and not always having to rely on trying to get booked at some of the, I guess, the popular places where you normally would try to want to mm -hmm. play. You know, I like those creative spaces. Plus, it gives the audience an, a new kind of atmosphere than they're probably used to having. And to be able to hear your, your music in a totally different space and create a whole different vibe you know yeah so that's, i love that that's been our goal this past year with booking shows is to try to bring together artists that are seemingly different in spaces where maybe those audiences wouldn't expect to see them and just expose them to them you know and kind of that. break down some of those boundaries that are either real or imaginary Underwood in the home of Chris Mowry, and we just talked a little bit about our calendar. Amber, I was trying to remember when you first came on our radar, my radar, because I basically just like stalk artists. Um, and I think it was probably, as I mentioned, that interview you did with Marcus Lewis on his Ask a Jazz Dude program in August of like 2019 with Desmond Mason. Yeah. Which was a real interesting you know insight into your creative process i think you were in the planning stages or recording stages of your record yeah um and then i remember it was like february of 2020 there was an arts kc awards luncheon that was huge yeah that. and 
the only reason I knew about that was Calvin had done it the year before. So I started to follow Arts KC. And then like that summer, there was a Trading Fours podcast, which I followed yes. sometimes with Damien. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of was getting bits and pieces about you. And then I think you reached out like that October, our mutual friend, um, David Bassey, mm -hmm. who continues to be just a great source of inspiration said, hey, Patrick, I think you need to talk to Amber Underwood. And I'm like, yeah, David, I do. And like, right at the same time, you reached out and said, hey, I, I'm getting ready to release a record. Uh, I've got a job teaching all day, but if you'd have some time to meet safely, comfortable, <laughs> we could Zoom. And we ended up going over to First Watch. Yeah. Westport, which, is where the old, which is where Chris used to work. That's the old record bar. Oh, I did, I yes. did actually, I did work at the You're old there? place. I didn't work at the old place. I worked at the new one. That's just oh, where you okay. pounded Steve about getting a job? Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> when they moved out, I helped them move everything out of the old place. Okay. That's correct, Chris. Sorry. I remember when the record bar was over there too. Um, over there. And I remember it was a, it was a kind of a weird experience because we've been told like no mass, mass, sit outside. Mm -hmm. And we were both like, we're hungry. Let's just sit outside and <laughs> And I should tell the audience, by the way, we can see Amber now on Zoom. Um, Amber, what's the adjective I'm looking for? You're so put together. <laughs> like you, you've wow. always got the you've always got the ensemble. Chris and I, like I said, I shaved, didn't bathe. Uh, you've always got the ensemble <laughs> to make someone turn their head. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh um, wow, that was that was very nice of you, Patrick. You just, um, <laughs> Well, at, at least I try to put myself together and look halfway <laughs> decent. I feel like, um, I mean, I am a fashionista gap type of gal. I, I love my fashion. Um, I like to play in makeup. Um, that's the girly side of me. So as you can was, see, I'm in my glam room. <laughs> that was the first adjective I was, or noun I was going to use. But I was looking for, I mean, like framing Amber's head right now are four different awesome hats of various colors, wardrobes galore. <laughs> um, so yeah. anyway. I think what he means is that he, you, you wouldn't see you outside of uh, your house in like some sweatpants with no makeup on and just. Maybe. Oh, you might. No, I, I, maybe. You never know what Amber <laughs> you're going to get. You might get glam Amber. You might get dressed down Amber or whatever. So you just never know. But I'm going to, I'm going to bring it. I'm gonna bring it to you either way. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you certainly, my first impression, let's just say you certainly brought the goods. Um, and I felt well, a little underdressed. That. Sorry, probably in shorts <laughs> and a t-shirt. So we had a lovely conversation about, you know, your release of your record and we talked promotion. We'll get to that later. But I'd like just to talk a little bit about your life. I know you grew up like Wyandotte County family moved to Shawnee Mission. It's, how old were you then? I don't think I caught that. Um, I had to be about 11. Maybe. I was going, I started middle school. I started middle school in, in Johnson, in Shawnee Mission. Okay. So you're a Kansas. I think you said you were, you're a sunflower gal. Yes, I am. I won't hold that against you. I think you're proud of that. <laughs> I, I am. I'm a Kansas girl. Were, and you're, and both your parents are educators, right? Yes. Tell me again what they teach. Um, so um, they're retired now, but um, oh, right. my dad, my dad um, worked at UMKC, so he kind of did different jobs. He was a professor and then later became, you know, dean. And then um, he started- What field? I'm um, sorry. In, edu in education. Oh, wow. In dean of education? Mm-hmm. And oh, then he knows. started- 
and started the Institute for Urban Education that we have now at UM Casey and set on the national level and, you know, was kind of right under the provost and did a lot of um, things, not on that, not just here in the city or whatever, but also nationally education wise. And then my mother was a um, elementary um, school teacher. Okay, so I guess I was just, I was asking that question, Is was that the reason for the move to Shawnee Mission? Uh, actually, to be, to be, I think just to, you know, they built the house and also my mother taught at Mill Creek Elementary, so it was literally not that far down oh, the street. Yeah. So probably to move closer to my mother's job. Okay. You know? So um, yeah, I have no idea, but. <laughs> and again, but, as a teacher and as someone who grew up, I, I call it the dark side, Johnson County. Cause I'm not going back um, <laughs> experiences in the, I send a lot of my students from Academy Lafayette to the high schools in the Shawnee Mission district, whether it was South East. Mm -hmm. And they talked about the difference in the makeup of their classmates from basically a Kansas City, Missouri school. It's a charter school to a suburban. I had definitely Mission have school. to say that, you know, coming from KCK, you know, is predominantly, all black, you know, um, you know, I grew up in KCK, a lot of my friends, my family, um, but my mother always had worked in Shining Mission. And so, but I also had kind of a foot in both worlds. So when I moved mm -hmm. over to Shining Mission, I knew some of those kids already just because of my, my mother teaching those kids. So maybe I was, the transition wasn't that bad for me. Okay. Culturally, culturally, but I can definitely see the difference between, you know, going from one school to another. Now yeah. that I went to Shiny Mission Northwest. And um, yeah, I could definitely count how many minority students probably on both hands. Yeah. Um, um I have and to teachers. say, huh? Sorry to interrupt. And teachers, you know. Oh, the Probably I, I remember only having one, sorry, my dog. That's okay, bring it. <laughs> Grams, grandma, what's Grammy, her name? Grammy, Grammy, Grammy right. like the award, Grammy. Oh, the award, not grandma. Yes, now, oh, Grammy. I'm so slow. Okay, my apologies. <laughs> um, I can remember, I think I, I only had one black teacher and that was in sixth grade. All of my other teachers were, were white teachers. And yeah. so that really, you know, it did not... You, you know, I didn't really think about it until I got older, you know, um, all of my music teachers were white educators, but I have to definitely, you know, tap my hat out to them because, you know, they shaped how I am today, you know, mm -hmm. I'm very lucky, you know, I don't think I would have gotten the same training if I might have would have stayed over on the Wyandotte County side. I, I just, I don't know. Sure. You know, um, sure. You know my middle school teacher was Doug Talley, you know, and wow. yeah, so I learned a lot of theory and a lot of stuff from, from him in middle school. And he was also the high school assistant. So I was with him all the way through high school. So I had a really great upbringing in that sense mm. or education wise, but I never thought I was going to go into education. I didn't want to go into education because my parents were educators. Sure. It just kind of sure. happened that way. Yeah. What, what were you going to say before I cut you off? Um, I have to say, sorry. I'm not for sure. Okay. What are you talking about? Well, just talking about, you know, the move over there, you know, did, was how was the transition? Let's let's keep moving though, because I mean, you're leading in perfectly the other things I wanted to ask you about. So I know that 
I think you said you started the flute about fifth grade. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yes, but you correct. had an interest in saxophone. Yes. And even before I get to that question, were your parents musicians? Did you have instruments around the house? No, um, my mother was not musically inclined. Um, I mean, my dad played drums in school, but um, he's always was like, I have no idea where you've have you gotten this talent. I was never like this. You know, he was a baseball player. So um, no, I, but he played a lot of music in the house. Good. Um, and then my mom was very avid, or uh, was very like, I want you to take piano. So I started piano very young, third grade, you know, had a piano in the house, took at the conservatory, started in third grade. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how it started. And I think, I think it was the article with Nick Spacek from The Pitch where you maybe had an interest in your drums and your mom was like, uh uh, mm -hmm. that's not working. We're not having that racket. <laughs> in the house. How, about, how about a piano or clarinet? Yes. Well, I wanted, well, I wanted to play saxophone, but they didn't give me the opportunity. They were kind of, maybe they were trying to say girls don't play saxophone. I don't know, but they stirred me away. Um, they were like, how about you either play flute or clarinet? And those were my choices. Well, and so, I think you said too, like you had noticed that basically it was all guys assigned to the saxophones who were allowed to choose what they yeah. wanted and really yeah. The reason for the flute was because your your girlfriends were playing. My friends were playing, and I was like, "Well, I'll just play the flute because all my friends were playing." That's the wrong way to choose an instrument. Yeah, <laughs> I would not suggest doing that. Doing flutes. Yeah, yeah, when I was when I was in school, I got stuck with the clarinet because my stepdad had one. I was like, "I want to play trumpet. I want to do this." And he's like, <laughs> "I have a clarinet. You're going to play clarinet." I was like, uh, and that's not, that should <laughs> never be the way you learn, you decide to play an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, okay. So you've made that clear that neither one of them are practicing music, but what, what kind of stuff was playing in the background? Do they have a record collection or? Oh, my dad had an extensive record collection from jazz to Motown to soul to gospel to, and we would, he would always have it going on in the, in the house. And so, um, but a lot of Motown, soul r&b music and mm -hmm. so i would sit there and just look at the covers of those records you know yeah. back in the day those covers were like everything um and he would play it you know after so long listening to all these things you know i was really became interested and i was asking more questions and i always heard the saxophone i was like what is that what is that you know i was like i want to play that i want to play that and every and i just had it stuck in my head like once I had the opportunity, I wanted to play saxophone. Mm -hmm. um, I have a letdown, you know, once I had the opportunity, I never got a chance to. I didn't pick up the saxophone until college, you know, so, um, but okay. yeah. And, um, you know, I, I sang in church, but, um, you know, I play piano, I play piano and violin and yeah, the flute. And, you know, I don't think I really became serious with it until I got to middle school when I started um, studying, well, not studying, but with Doug Talley, that probably changed the trage trajectory of everything. Okay. Were you at that point, so now middle school, high school, were you seeking out music as well? Like, you know, I want to say like contemporary with that time music, like not just your dad's record collection. Were you going to record stores or listen to the radio? Oh yeah, I would go. Well, at that time I was very involved in classical. I was more seeking mm. out classical CDs and 
because I thought I was going to be this world-renowned flautist and, and you know travel and play in orchestras you know um I you know Doug recommended me to study with Dr. Judy Johnson she had like a wait list at the time I got in and you know, um, and was suggesting all these things going to music camps. And I got just really, really involved. And, you know, I got to a point where I told my dad, I was like, I don't think I want to go back to school. I want to just do lessons. And can I be like homeschooled or some way? Cause I wanted to be like that, you know, player where well, I was like, well, school's getting away. Cause it won't, it doesn't give me enough time to practice. My dad was like, uh, we're going to keep you in school. And, and during that time, especially in middle school, is a tough year because I lost my mother during that time. So mm. I was raised by my father. Mm. And so um, I think at that time, you know, I, I don't know if it was because, you know, the loss of my mother, but I, it was something that was mine because um, before then I was a competitive gymnast. And that was something that me and my mother did since I was very, very young. And so when she got sick, I wasn't able to go to the meets and different things like that. But, um, but music was always something that I did well and that I didn't really have to work too, too much at, but I just wanted to be better at, I wanted to be great at. And I started watching videos and of different performers, of course, Michael Jackson, Prince, and all these like entertainment, like not just they're great at what they do, but I was more into like being an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Like I loved seeing how they, you know, people were like falling off, they're like crying and, you know, they have this whole show and, and, um, and the fashion behind it. I got really into that too, but, um, but yeah, just the whole aspect of it. I think you like the, you know, the spectacle. I don't think that's a bad word. You like to show about it. I love it. Um, I do. I really, really do love the show, the the inter- entertainment part of it, the showmanship, um, and the artistry of of it. This jacket don't keep me warm, no. This jacket don't keep me warm. It's nothing like your arms, no. But it's not like you used to do. This jacket don't keep me warm. That's what summer was for. But the fall came, then the fall came, then it all came down, all came crashing down. I've been cold since you've been found. I've been low since you in the ground. I've been trying to hold on to the pieces you left me. Marcus's interviews too, where you, you had no intentions of being an educator as a child of an educator, and my son can certainly relate, but <laughs> it was your father that sort of said, hey, that's all good. You should go take over the world, but let's just have a backup plan and get you a degree, and maybe being a teacher through music wouldn't be a bad option. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize your mother had passed. I know that when we met too, it sounds like you talked to your father every day multiple times a day oh my god i do (laughs) three four times a day okay when i was off at school i would like i call him all the time so yes he's definitely my rib okay Um, so yes he did say that um amber 
he's always been very supportive of me in music. He's never said, well, Amber, no, I don't think that you should do that. Um, when I told him I was going to be majoring in music, he never stirred me away. He was just like, well, okay, then well, let's make sure that you know everything about music that you can and that, that you can get a job. You know, right. that was more his thing. He always was like, I want you to be able to be independent. Like if something happens to me, I want you to be able to take care of yourself. And he knows that, you know, in music, it can be, you know, you might, it can be. Important. Yeah. Oh, sure. And so he was just like, well, make sure that you can be able to do everything in that. And so that was a thing. And he was like, I would get your education degree, you know, so I did that, you know, I got arts administration and business degree in music, did that. You know, I, I made sure I got every part where nobody was like, well, no, you can't do that. I was like, well, actually I can because I have a degree in that. And I, you know, I try, that's kind of where I wanted to make sure that I had all sides taken care of because I learned um, that I didn't need a degree to play, you know, mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. but at the beginning, I didn't see that because all I want to do, I was like, I want to major in performance, not to performance performance, but I was like, what am I going to do with a performance degree? Yeah. Amber, what are you going to do with a performance degree? I was like, perform. He was like, but you you can still do that. And so he kind of made me see that. And I'm so glad because now that I look back on it, you know, I'm looking at some of my friends, you know, that don't have, that were looking, especially during the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm full-time mm -hmm. musicians and you know looking for work or something you know they didn't have a lot of that stuff so seems like yeah. his practicality can I get him to come over and talk to my child um I'm, he's not <laughs> wanting to be a musician but uh I I can understand where he's coming from I know that you went to so Wichita State that was mm -hmm. flute performance yeah flute performance and then and then after that, you did go to the UMKC Conservatory, and that's where you got your master's in arts administration and music business. And I love yeah. that. I love that. Like <laughs> how, how valuable, again, as you just mentioned, not just during the pandemic, to have the business awareness, training, oh. education. So many artists, no offense, they're not entrepreneurs. They want to create, which is lovely. Yes. So well, there should be some training out there. It's like as, to be a parent, there should be a course. <laughs> I feel oh like my as an God. artist. You know what? It's changed since I since I took it back then. But you know how things. But you know, at that time, I was really actually I was really into like piracy and contract laws. I was thinking maybe going into entertainment law and stuff like that. But it got away from performing. Um, I was, you know, really interested, you know, maybe working for a record company and doing, so I was doing a lot of, you know, searching and, you know, I still like the business aspect. And, and you know, when I came in, um, you know, Casey had offered this dual program and it's, it was new, this arts administration. So it was basically, I could do the nonprofit side and the profit side. And I was like, I think that's kind of where I, I want to go, you know, where, you know, get this. I was taking business courses in the block school and getting all of that knowledge and stuff that I need because now then I didn't think about it, you know, but now, you know, I'm glad that I did because at the end of the day, yes, we're artists, but we're also our own business. And mm -hmm. so the majority of what I do dealing with my business is the 85%. It was, is business stuff. It's mm -hmm. not, me creating is me trying to market and promote and trying to find, you know, 
different places to put my, you know, all this different stuff. And I feel like I still don't know it all, you right. know, learn all this stuff. So, and I've been telling um, just some of my friends, you know, that just came out with stuff. I was like, this is what I did and I'm still trying to learn. And then I've gone off and done a, a few master classes at some colleges about marketing yourself as a class, you know, as a classical musician. Cause I feel like that piece was not really taught to us. Um, when I was getting my undergraduate music degree, they, they didn't say nothing about, uh, you need to create an EPK. Oh, you need to do this. You need to have these different, they're like, huh? What is mm -hmm. that? And, and it's just like, yeah. and so, and then, and having all of these different things that you need, I was like, nobody's going to know who you are, boo-boo. You know, you're not. <laughs> so, <I'm> like, <laughs> like, so glad to hear you say that, Amber. Had you, now, you didn't just go to the conservatory. From what I understood, you reached out to Bobby Watson. Was that through your dad? He's like, hey, you need to use dad's Well, because I, Okay, so there's a little piece that I'm not really saying because I got a full ride orchestral scholarship to go to OSU. Um, um, it was everything was paid for. They were giving me money on flute, whatever. Oh wow! But I was only there for a semester. I hated it. This is, oh wait, step back. This is before Wichita State, or this, this is after Wichita State. This was you before graduated. I graduated Wichita State. Was okay. planning on going to OSU. Um, my I, there was a teacher down there that I really really liked. Um, then he left on sabbatical, so I got stuck with somebody else, and I was down in Stillwater with the red dirt, clay dirt, and I saw the pickup trucks with the Confederate flags. I was like, oh my God, they're going to hang me from a tree. Um, I was just, <laughs> just like, where am I? But um, but no, I was there for a semester, and, and I was like, this is not me. This is not, I don't want to do this. And I realized that I did not know, I didn't want to no longer pursue trying to be in an orchestra and spend all my years in a four room practice room trying to learn these freaking orchestral excerpts and plays. It was just, I had an epiphany. And mm -hmm. I was like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> and then I- <laughs> so I just wanna get out of there regardless. <laughs> I got out of there. My dad was like, what are you doing? You're giving up all this money. And I was like, this is not where it's at came home for a semester work my dad was like maybe you should reach out to Bobby Watson and I was like he's gonna be coming back this was, I think before he announced that he was gonna be taking over the jazz whatever right. and so I had called him probably all summer that summer and left messages and told him who I was and I finally um uh, we connected and he thought he was like I thought that you were a joke <laughs> I thought the university was playing a trick on me because I've never had anybody, you know, especially a female, you know, seek me out to get some lessons or whatever. And so we finally met and, and then, yeah, that's how it started. Wow. Lesson with Bobby for a minute and he got really busy. And then I got scooted on to a, an assistant, but he was definitely proactive in my master's and set on my orals and introduced me to a lot of stuff and that's where I really became started doing stuff on the jam session scene mm -hmm. um, and um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a I'm a conservatory jazzer I kind of picked up stuff off the street so I would say I'm more of a street jazzer right um, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. 22 23 at this time when you approached him um straight out of college yeah wow I mean 
That says a lot about you, Amber. I mean, I just think of 22 year olds, I think of 50 year olds I know that don't have the kind of gumption or the initiative to just go out and take it. Like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to go pursue it. And I'm not going to let anybody, I'm, I'm also going to realize I thought this is what I wanted to do and it's, it's not working. So I'm going to adjust and I'm going to make another plan of attack. I mean, that shows a lot of strength at a relatively young age for you um and i'm sure you I, know, I didn't think right. of it that way i just knew that i liked i loved music i loved playing my instrument i knew that i mean i wasn't the best flute player you know i was great at what i did but there were so many other people better and i had a i had to reality like okay there's only so many symphonies and there's only what two or three spots you know and literally these people have to die out of these spots to get them and so I just realized that I don't know if that's what I want to do. And I wanted to kind of create my own lane and I wanted right. to play my music and kind of be, you know, and at this point I was not fluting nastiness. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, you know, there, I was just finding, trying to find my way, you know, mm -hmm. and I think everybody kind of goes through that. And there was a time that I did put down my instrument for about a, two years or so trying to just figure it out. Mm -hmm. you know and then um just hit I started taking lessons again and doing this you know just kind of being on the scene too soaking up soaking up the culture so soaking up the music and talking to people that was like that right there I didn't I didn't learn that shit in school I learned it by going being a part of the of Kansas City and learning about jazz you yeah know? That's what made me fall in love with um you know, what I'm doing now, you know, those are, because I didn't, I didn't learn that stuff in school. They didn't teach me that stuff in school. Yeah. You know, tell me that leads into, um, tell me about Horace Washington. What, what time, what, how old were you then? Is it the same time period about? Yeah, it's kind of around that same time period. I met Horace just at the jam sessions and play, and he would play on the the big bands they would have on Mondays at Blue Room and stuff and mm -hmm. um and he was the first person I kind of saw that was playing flute in a way that I was like I want to play like that not classical <laughs> not classical now I had been listening to you know before you know listening to jazz flautist and stuff like that but to see it in person and to, I, I just gravitated to him. I just, you know, um, and I just went up to him. I was like, you're amazing. And the, I think the first thing that I said was, how do you circular breathe on flutes? <laughs> and um, we just, I started a relationship with him, just wanting him to, I really wanted him to be my mentor. Right. Um, and, and he said, you know, how about this? you teach me how to play Bach and I'll teach you how to play jazz. I was like, okay, deal. Um, and cause I think he wanted to learn more about the classical side mm -hmm. and, um, and I wanted to more, know more about the jazz side. And so we just would set up, you know, different sessions at his house. I would go over to his house and we would just, he would teach me, we'd teach each other. And yeah. he said, Amber, you need to get up and start playing at these, at these sessions. And I was terrified. It probably took me like go 10 times. And he was like, you're going to put your name on this list. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would sit there and, scared, you know, and he had to do it, but he had to call me up. 
to play because I wouldn't have done it. And, um, and then after the first time I was like, okay, that wasn't too bad. I was scared, but you know, that's just kind of how it developed. And he's, he was always in my rooting for me in my, in my corner, you know? That's so important. I think yeah. that's a beautiful, again, as a teacher, and I know you're an educator, just, we need mentors, right? And it's not necessarily age or just because you're, both of you are learning, right? Both the teacher and the student, you're both, you're both trading. And it just sounds like that was a natural relationship for you. Yeah, de most definitely. And I feel like it was short. It was, it was cut short. And mm -hmm. um, it feels like there was so much I could, else that I could have learned from him. Um, but I have many different mentors, you know, depending on what aspect, you know, I'm, I'm looking for. Okay. You know, um, I have another mentor. Um, his, his name is Craig. And, um, and so he plays, he plays all instruments. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and so, and he knew Horace and all that stuff. And so he would send me old footage of Horace playing and some other footage from like the seventies and stuff that where he was playing. And I would just be like, I mean, you don't get that stuff in school. You don't get, this is, mm -hmm. you know, the stuff that I was learning, I'm getting it from the people that were there. You right. know, when I worked at the museum, I was talking to the elder statements and they were telling me these stories that they were like, yeah, me and, and uh, Miles Davis and me and uh, what, you know, I'm just kind of like, wow, you mm -hmm. know, they were there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was, sure. just, it was just really interesting. And in that, that time period, like when I was at UMKC and I, it wasn't UMKC, no offense to UMKC. It wasn't UMKC that gave me the education that I, need that I wanted and needed it was every it was the city that gave Understood. me yeah if you understood yeah last and thanks so much for sharing Amber last question too about formal education so then when did you go back to get your second master's where it was education and teaching with an emphasis in music at Pittsburgh State is, is there a time gap there that wasn't straight um that was I want to say there was a, somewhat of a time gap. I think it was like during the recession. So you left and, Kansas City? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't leave Kansas City. I took classes here in case that was through Pitt State. Okay. So I didn't go to campus. Um, so uh, yeah, I I feel like it was in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. I'm now I'm I'm showing my age now, but. No. No, I, I don't want to make you, I'm just trying to get the timeline of like when you actually started being in the classroom. Cause I think this is what your 13th year. I, um, I started in um, 2012 was my first year. Okay. Teaching. So this is my 10th year. KCMO. In KCMO. Yes. But didn't you teach in KCK for a little bit too? I thought. Um, I did. It wasn't like classroom. I was like, a, like a, um, assessment manager that I was waiting for in a position oh, to open okay. so okay. I was working in KCK but they just never had a music position open and so finally I was like okay you guys I gotta go <laughs> you know positions are
I was alright, I was alright, I was just fine. It was a night, it was a night in the half life. So, you are director of band at Central Middle School, and you're 10. I know off air we were talking a little bit about the pandemic and I, I just, I'm so grateful not to be in the classroom right now. I mean, I love middle school. I love crazy kids. I think that's the perfect age. People think we're crazy for thinking they're, I, it's awesome. They're like- You gotta be a little crazy to teach Heck them. yeah, they just keep you on your, they're freaks. Yeah. Um, but I can't imagine this past year, the challenges, especially I don't want to say as an elective or a specials teacher, but where you maybe don't see your kids every day and you have hands-on things that you have to do. Like, I think I remember you talking about like, you're not going to give your first year student some recorder online to learn at home. It's just, it ain't working. No, it just wasn't working. Um, I did the best that I could during last year. Um, uh, There was, the technology wasn't out that we needed to have when we first started, you know, mm-hmm. now, now we have all this stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my kids didn't have their instruments and different things. So we had to make the best, you know, we put on, we put on a concert the best way that we could. <laughs> I learned more about technology and recording and editing and last year than I probably ever wanted to know about it you know I got to the point where I gave it to Desmond like hey can you do this this is not my lane (laughs) you know um we made videos can you chop this up edit this whatever um you know at the one point I had them to go get pots and pans just to play rhythms because what am I supposed to do you know and plus we're, we're not at that type of a school where you know these kids you know we're at a um, I'm at an inner city school and um, 99.9% of the students are free and reduced lunch. So I don't know if that, that kind of gives you oh, for sure. a picture of kind of what type of um, student body I'm working with. And so we already had challenges upon challenges um, just with that. And so trying to teach music, um, you know, sometimes I wasn't teaching music. Because I had I had to make sure that maybe the first five things of basic needs were met, you know. Um, a lot of these kids, you know, they were they had to work. Are their parents? I was like, well, I have to watch my baby sister or my, you know, they weren't really. So it was very difficult, and yeah. um, and that's not just with my students, but I think it was across the board. You oh, know, yeah. um, we we lost we lost some of our students. You know, and there's some that are still missing, like, well, what happened to them, you know, now that we've came back into the classroom, you know, trying to get those kids back on track and things like that. Now, I have to say we're we're getting a lot better this, you know, coming up. We're on December 2nd. uh, We're having our first band concert in the last for two. It has been like two years. Mm -hmm. So that'll be that'll be kind of nice. We're starting from the beginning. You know, my intermediate band are technically beginning band just because they've lost a year. And these students, they don't have band in fourth or fifth grade in elementary school. They begin in seventh grade. Right. KCPS. And so we're trying to get that change. But, you know, this is where we're at. 
when did you go back in person? Did you do that last spring? Yes. That was it, like April? Was which it was like, like, we went back. After spring break? Yes, it had to be like April. April or May, April. Crazy, I mean, I, back. I can't imagine trying to, you know, herd those cats that have just been home. Not, I mean, they're just gonna wanna come back and socialize. Well, at that time we had, um, we had, uh, we had A days, B days, where half of them, we didn't have the whole Locked entire school. Well, yeah. So we only saw, so we only had, you know, maybe like six or eight kids in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as many kids. Um, but my goal was trying to get instruments in their hands as soon as possible. Yeah. I think what people just don't understand is even pre-pandemic, like the transitionary nature of typical families in the Kansas City, Missouri School District, where your absentee rate is huge and it could be because someone's staying home to take care of a younger sibling they don't feel safe um maybe the only reason they're coming to school is to get a meal you know no offense that's they're not interested true. in english class they're not interested in music class that's why you have to you have to check on the kids right when they come to the door because mm, totally. you're not going to get any type of any teaching done unless you're like okay let's do a check-in like what's going on temperature like, I so shook their hands. Temperature. I know before I left, I took a temperature and we could not have fan. There was yeah. a lot of different trauma cases going on. I mean, a lot of trauma. Yeah. You know, our kids deal with a lot of stuff and, and it's stuff that they shouldn't be dealing with at 12 and 13. Right. Years you're, you're really more of a counselor, social worker, coach, life coach than giving them the content that you're supposed to teach from the state. And I just think that like, you know, you start a class with 30 kids by the end of the first quarter, six of those kids are no longer with you. You oh. got a new kid or two. End of the semester, you've lost three or four more. Now they're well, three we're getting kids. kids. But we but the thing is is that we're getting kids that are coming from charter schools because they got kicked out of the charter school. So oh, we sure. have to accept mm -hmm. them. And oh, so that's a, that's a whole other entity. And um you're just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> you Jeez. know, the numbers can get really big. You know, you can only have state requirement, what, 33 kids in a in a in a class 33 kids <laughs> so i think that's crazy. too many 33 now i can see with the band it's a little bit it's different you know yeah. but to really get learning that you need to get done 15 10 17 even 10 yes 10. 30, if you're over 30 28 that's just too many kids and we don't have enough teachers to go you know resources and teachers right now at this point in time this is everywhere i i said that all teachers needed a 25 percent raise just after the pandemic everybody you know we just after what we've had to do in the transition you know to still provide education to our kids so chris and i are just nodding our heads here in my heart i just i love you amber thanks for you know i did it for 30 years uh, and at one point, I'm just like, I'm tired of being told by people that don't know what they're doing, getting paid <sighs> way more. This pre I call, them, I call those people educate, educated idiots. Yeah. And people then, with further degrees walking around, they know what they're doing, but they haven't. I was like, you hired me to do the music program. I was like, I have a degree. Why don't you let me do what I do? And, yeah. <laughs> and, and then it's, the parents. It's so hard. And the parents trying to tell you how to raise their child that can't bring their kid to school on time or make them do their homework like you're killing me um, there's so okay. many yeah so many we can talk about this forever i know and i want to 
um, over a martini. So oh, definitely <laughs> over a martini. Because if we're gonna be talking about this stuff, I definitely need to have something a little bit stronger. <laughs> I'll talk about what's new before we go to our last couple of segments. I think again, we met like October 22nd and the record was just coming 28th. out on my 20, birthday. Okay. 28th. I had listened to again, another episode you did with Marcus, but not with Desmond that time in November, ask a jazz dude, the article from the pitch came out. But when we met, I remember you were so excited. The album's titles, this is me. And talk to us about the creation of that. And I think we definitely should talk about Desmond Mason's involvement as well. Cause of I think course, he's a you, had some, you had some ideas and you were like, I gotta get some advice, some suggestions on how to kind of rein in how I want to be Prince. How did this all come about? Well, I attempted to do an album a few times and it failed because um, I thought I was supposed to do um, a typical quote unquote jazz album live. Let's we'll do a jazz album live at the Blue Room or live here. And it just didn't work. And it really didn't tell who I was. I knew I didn't want to be doing standards. And I was like, what am I going to play? And um, so, and then I went into the studio with a couple other people scheduling and it just, it just wasn't a right fit. So I tried it about a couple of times and, um, because at this point, you know, I was doing a lot of shows at the time and people was like, Hey, do you have anything out? That's the next thing that they ask. It was like, do you, where can I get your music? And I'm like, I don't have any music, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I just felt like. I was hearing a lot of just chatter and maybe I probably shouldn't have, you know, listened to it, but um, you get a lot of chatter about, you know, how you play and who they think you, that you are and, you know, this and this and that. And um, I was kind of tired of it. And um, at this time I had a friend or actually my ex <laughs> was telling me about, and I had seen Desmond play um, and he was, I don't want to say he was kind of new. I'm, he was maybe new to me, but I, I had been checking him out and, um, and we had played a couple of things together and I knew that he, he did some producing or whatever. 
And I just knew at this point that I was like, I want to do something completely different um, on how I want to present myself because the other ways I feel like it's been done or that's just expected. And so I just approached Desmond and um, I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I want to work on my debut album and I've been checking you out. I really like the vibe that you have going on. I feel like you're bringing some different stuff to the table. I know you do like beats and things like that. I was, and I just asked him, I was like, would you produce my album? And he was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah. He was like, uh-huh, let's go. And I was so excited because I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, I just had to strip everything down. I think I was trying to pull in all these different people and try to set up this band and do all these different things. And it just didn't work for me. And I just, I stripped everything down. Me and Des met and I talked and I said, you know, I just want to create something just between me and you. That's very authentic. And, um, and I want to do something that's untraditional, but still has roots in jazz. And he was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, there's a lot of different sides of me. And I think people see one side and then, but they don't see the other side of me. And um, I want, and I also wanted to shut up the naysayers about me, who I am and how I play. I, I also think that um, people thought I was a gimmick just because of, I don't know, maybe how I presented myself or maybe because the way I play, I know I'm a, I'm a work in progress on how I play, you know, I still am. And I just, I just wanted to do something that felt like it was me. And so um, we went in, sat down, I told him my story, kind of what I went through. This is, this is kind of, uh, I said, this will not leave these walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we just dug in. I was like, you know what, I like this type of music. There's I have a ratchet side <laughs> and I have this type of side. I want to be able to take all of these different parts of who I am and put it in my music. And so that's kind of what you got on the This Is Me album. And the cover really explained people things like, oh, it's kind of risque, maybe, you know, but I didn't really think it was risque because because half of half of me is draped in like sequins. That's kind of like the fluvy nasty side, the glamour side, like this is what you see out. But then you have the kind of the more naked side, the vulnerable side, the side mm-hmm. that people don't get to see all the time. And only those people, my close friends and family get to see who the real Amber is. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I um, summed it up with the imagery of my album. Mm-hmm. And then um, the first song that we did was called Alter Ego. And it was kind of like, that was kind of like, I want a club banging. Cause I like those type of, when I turn on my music in my car, those are the things that I like to listen. I want to dance. I want to pop my booty. I want to do, you know, that's my side. And so um, I told him, I was like, you know what? I hear like a lot of drums, very um, heavy 808, um, but also kind of an international feel like. um, um, It's like Snake Charmer. Yes, yes. You know, can we do something like that? And so that's kind of how we approached it. And it was really cool because um, it was, I was able to be creative in what I wanted. And it also gave um, Desmond the freedom to do what he does best. Mm. You know? And then we just kind of put it together. And each each song 
um, we approached it different ways, you know? Yeah. So, that yeah. ego is like just super slinky. It's very G-funk, like you mentioned. I don't want to like say it's like exotic, but it's, I imagine, I yeah, don't know. It's, kinda, it's yes. groovy. <laughs> so that's the first one you worked on? When that was, was the, That was the first one. And for some reason, I, I still was in the mentality. I was like, well, where's the head? I'm sitting here trying to do all this improv. And he's like, Amber, you don't really need that. It's just kind of like a banger, just kind of just same thing over. So I learned a lot in the process of just mm. the um, structure of, of different music of, or what we were doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. I was definitely a virgin <laughs> and, is, uh, and that spring? whole, huh? I'm sorry. This is like spring of 2019. It's my phone. Sorry. Um, 2018 even? Yeah. No, not 2018. It had to okay. be like 2019. We started in 2019. Okay. Okay. You know, and because I remember working on the bulk of the album um, while I was in school, because I would come after school to, uh, to, to the studio. And I was like, how the fuck did I do that? Wow. After you teaching know? all day? After teaching all day. Jesus. And this, I was like, then going to the studio. Jesus. It was like, and there were some times where we didn't get nothing done. He, he would just have the wine ready, waiting. He was like, you want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, per, you two are a great combination. Now, <laughs> and then the whole process from when you started to finish is like several months, half a year. It was probably a year because there was a, um, there was some time in between, okay. you know, where we didn't work on it. And then there was really a push, like, I got to get this done. of that was like you had the idea for the song like you had something on the flute that you wanted to do and how much of it was he d dot bringing in like a beat and being like hey check this out i i think it'd be interesting if you did something like this on it so for warwick i already had that kind of made kind of like i sat down at the piano i kind of had chunked out some stuff um and i played it for him and I was like, I need you to add your mastery to it to make it sound more. And he kind of added his color chords to it. So I like that one, I already had an idea of what I wanted. Um, and then like, uh, go get it. That was actually a tune that me and my ex, he wrote, um, but he never really had a B section to it. I kind of put my my tab on it, but um, I I said I want to I want a very smooth contemporary record, you know, something mm. that would play on the smooth jazz stations or mm. something like that. And so I already came in with a couple of stems with that one, and so we just made it our own for that one. Um, Strobe light that was like um, the breakup 
song. Like I broke up with my ex. I was like, I just want to go have fun. I want to dance or whatever. And I was like, I want like, like a, like a, <laughs> you know, so he gave me that. I basically described what was going on with me. I was like, this is what I'm feeling. And so he basically took my adjectives, my feelings and made a beat. And that's how strobe mm. came out. Okay. So it, for each one, it really, it had its own thing. Yeah, like Euphoria, cool. I was listening. I wanted to almost pay um, tribute to uh, Hubert Laws. Um, he did he did a song called What a Night, Hubert Laws. And so I really liked the bass line and something. So I wanted to do something similar. So mm. Euphoria had got James Ward on that. It sounds really cool. And I wanted like strings really like thick like orchestration like like a nice sounding album that kind of was what Hubert Laws would do you know yeah. so that's how that that one came about so I had kind of ideas and also you know euphoria is kind of my sensual sexual side my adult amber <laughs> um <laughs> because that was made <laughs> that 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 um melody came from after doing some um adult things <laughs> can, I, can i read you my notes i don't know how i was gonna say i was like is my dad gonna hear this and so and so i literally i had my flute there and i wanted it was like i want to capture that moment what does that sound like after you're mm-hmm. you know and you're in this euphoric state. <laughs> yeah. And that's so, how that melody came about. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you used the word sensual, Amber, because that was the other side I would have described you with, not only in the album cover, but in the music I hear. Like I, I took notes, not on every track, every song, but I just put euphoria reminds me of like, you know, that Roberta Flack song, um, feel like making love oh yes you know i've done a lot of that with people things like it kind of reminds me of that but it doesn't go there no Mm -hmm. and it's got that vibraphone that's just lovely oh peter Uh, slam yeah i I love peter if you had other guests you know with desmond that's peter on there yeah so i do have a lot of uh, well not a lot but i it was missing some i'm all about like yes it's this flute album but i also want to my ear hears something else too. And so Peter, I mean, it was great. He added that, it just added to the entire song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, on Sleep Snatcher, Chalice is on that on that record he's playing and also mm-hmm. um, Brian Alford on Steel Pans. Oh, is that Brian? Yeah. Okay. On, on that, that Steel that's my note on there. Sleep Snatcher kind of starts with that, like, I don't know, that Timmy Thomas song, Why Can't We Live Together? <laughs> tell me why, tell me why. And then <laughs> well, it kind I, of, it's kind of exotic. It just slows down to that group. Did you make physical CDs of that? Did you tell me? I did not make, at the time, I did not because, yeah. you know, where was I really going to promote? Because during the pandemic, normally right. I would have the, the physical copies, like, say, I do a show. I can sell this, but I didn't have that. So I just yeah. came out with all um, on all streaming platforms. That's but, why, um, again, that, 
the physical allows you to, you know, give nerds like me information about, you know, the dates of the recording, who are you with, like the genesis. Of oh, the that is going to be on, you can find that on Bandcamp. Okay. You can find a lot of that because I put, I wrote a lot of the, like the notes and different things on okay. Bandcamp. And most people don't know that because they want to have the physical um, right. CD right. in their hand. Uh, but with uh, Sleep Snatcher, uh, Desmond won this huge like beat comp competition about a year or two ago right beast, beast of the beast. yeah 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 and so he did one beat and i was like oh, it was like amazing i was like i want something like kind of like that in sleep snatcher so me desmond and brian at that time went to nam went to la and so we shared a hotel room or whatever well brian is a snore he's a snore and um like really really loud and so i had to like put like ear like my headphones on and like the stuff in my ears and you could still I mean it was really really loud and so I said you're a sleep snatcher like you take people's sleep like I can't go to sleep he was like oh damn it. I was like no it's bad and so I tried that was a tame version of him breathing and snoring I didn't get the real like you know in the in the album but that's mm -hmm. actually Brian like like breathing and snoring <laughs> and so and so, so there you have the sleep snatcher. He's trying to take your sleep. And then we finally kind of go to sleep. And that's where you get that subtle, like smooth sound of the flute. And you're like, mm. finally, I've gone to sleep. And then here comes the sleep snatcher again at the end with the drums, like, doo -doo -doo, you know, waking people up with their, that was kind of like the concept okay. of, of that, of that piece. It was just, it was just kind of a fun, you know, something different, you know, type of song. The track, the sequencing, I think is brilliant. You know, you start with the, what's AUP stand for? That well, that was, that was, that was um, my first band name, Amber Underwood okay. Project, because I didn't know what else to call it. And okay. So that's a little short segment there, intro that kind of announces you, it goes right into strobe light. I love that. That's probably one of my favorite. That one or Warwick. And then I had Ethan Ridings on there. He's along in the city. He's a guitar player, phenomenal guitar player. Um, oh, he's at, I, he's in Atlanta. Yeah. And then I had, what'd you say? I thought Warwick first was a shout out to Dion, but it's actually your street name, right? The album yeah, closer. Yeah. Um, it was the street I used to live on. Okay. Warwick, Warwick over here off of what? Yeah. 40? Yeah. Sure. Calvin used to live there actually. Yeah, everybody used to live off Warwick. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I used to go to parties at a house there where they used to have um, like house shows all the time. 
Aaron we had Rose. parties down at our house, like we stayed in the house and down in the basement, we called the boom boom room. And so everybody would come over. We had we had stuff already set up and we would jam down there. Yeah. And I was just so many memories. The musicians would just come over and just hang it was the hangout spot. And yeah. So, so yeah, it's just and that was the first time that that's when I, I moved over to the Missouri side. And I lived with Ebony Fondren. We were roommates for three years. Oh, great. And so, and so it was just a really cool time. I came into that house with a relationship, left without a relationship, laughing, good, bad, ugly happened in that house. But it was really great memories. And so I just wrote a song about it. It's a beautiful way to close the record. I, and I, I do love the sequencing, of like strobe light. It's that super funky. And then it segues into that go get it and then when you follow it up with the flutie woo again the oh my flutie i'm hoop. hearing like parliament whether it's flashlight or over the down chocolate city I don't know if you have a little oh yeah they're explaining all the people i have to tell you how flutie who came about flutie, we went me and desmond i think we're, we were finished with the gig so we head over to the blue room to hear the wards play we're already inebriated like whatever so we're sitting in the booth just having a good old time I think I had the, the good drink whatever don't have the good drink at the blue room because at least two of them or three of them because you won't remember anything but uh <laughs> I don't know what I was saying he was like Amber what are you talking about? I was like I was like I came out I was like he was like Amber who I said I'm I, I don't know what I said but I said I'm Flutie what I said Flutie who he's like Flutie what I said Flutie who <laughs> And he started laughing. And I was like, and then we just kept in. He was like, Flutie Who? I said, I said, what? I said, Flutie Who? I was like, wait a minute. I was like, that could be a song. Like, hold on a minute. And it just, we were just, because we were drunk at the yeah. And this just kind of came out. We were talking shit back to each other. And and yeah. and it just kind of came out, came out. And it a lot of people like that song. It's funky. We got oh. two on on guitar and just just kind of a fun song and i really wanted to have like on my album like interludes of stuff kind of like yeah. back in the day you know it wasn't quite a song but it was just a little something like oh i wish they would have did a little bit more on it you know super so. clever it's very it's got kind of like that cool in the gang hollywood, hollywood. sounds like you two were doing a little jay mcshan hootie on that as well ah. of that story <laughs> Yeah, well, it was fun. You and then you touched a little bit on influence. I mean, I know you've said you you want to be like Prince. I know, and, and maybe not his musical style, but again, in the, per, the performance aspect, I know you've mentioned Herbie Mann. I mean, after I met you, I went on a total kick. I went over to Brothers Records that day and picked up like ten records from. You said, oh, yeah. What? You said Bobby Humphrey. Are you? Yes. In yeah. Uh, well, my dad introduced me to Bobby Humphrey because, first of all, she was the first flute player that looked like me, that I, I saw that looked like me. So, of course, I gravitated to her because, you know, before Bobby Humphrey, I was looking at, like, James Galway and, like, yeah. you know, like the classical. Classical. Yes. Um, but when I was introduced to Bobby Humphrey, my dad's like, hey, you should check her check her, this person out listen to her and blah, blah, blah. I was like you mean to tell me there's a flute player that looks like me and plays like that you know I just didn't I didn't see it yeah. a lot. you know I was in Euphony and I was the, I was always the only black flute player you know and for a long time people didn't know my name I was either known as the black flute player or the flute chick 
So mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have a name for a long time. And that was like, oh, you're like that flute player chick. I was yeah. like, yeah. Or or um like all through high school, you know, I was always even in college, I was the only one. And so to find someone that looked like me and played and you know, I was wearing an afro on the cover of the album, you know, it was it was really refreshing. Um yeah. I think she was the first actually female instrumentalist signed by Blue Note. And I remember she had played with um, Stevie Wonder and on and George Benson on his record. The reason I'm asking too is I just, that's the time period I associate with you. Like this kind of yeah. vibe in the seventies. I am so a seventies, seventies flower child. Yeah. And yeah, I'm that's, wondering yeah. if that's that from your dad's record collection. Um, mm-hmm. I know you'd mentioned too, like, you know, taking courses, it was very like Eurocentric learning and you were talking oh, about yeah. like, you'd wanted to pursue some of these things like well you'll have to take that like in the world music class and you're like well yep, I was that's told an that. elective that's not what I, <laughs> I was do. definitely told that all so, of the stuff that I've learned about learned outside of Eurocentric uh western history music history I've learned on my own or my father my father has um you know African-American studies degree in that and, mm-hmm. and so he's always been very good at showing me you know a lot of material that that I probably wouldn't know about you know I was like I had no idea right you know um so but that's also been a journey at first I didn't care but the older I got I wanted to know more yeah okay let's let's kind of wrap this part of the segment what are your what fluty nastiness actions happen in the rest of 2021 and beyond <laughs> what are the plans for world domination that's what we oh, really world do. domination i like that no um well um, i'm planning on um re-releasing the album with um with music videos and new and a couple of new songs um Okay. I, I've actually, I'm in the talks and works with um, signing with, with someone and helping me do that and try to take it to the next level um, and also working on a second project as well. They'll hopefully be coming out within the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas City label, can I ask? Yes, Kansas okay. City label. Okay. Yes. yes. I, have, I have not saying because I haven't yet signed on the on the dotted line and um <laughs> and I think the attorney is still like needs to send over the stuff yeah so congratulations that's exciting yeah, I'm excited about it and you know um I think we're on the same page of where the direction of where I want to go and and also just looking into like you know you can only do so much on your own as an independent artist. And so I think with them, it helped me, I feel like they have the sauce of like, you know, getting those streams and all those different things that you need to become successful, I guess, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, looking forward to that. Um, What else? Um, Are you you already recording the next record? I'm finishing recording some uh, holiday music that will hopefully drop. Very, very soon. Okay. That was the plan. Um, So we're trying to get that out as soon as possible um, before Christmas. Okay. (laughs) And and then going into working on the second album, 
mm-hmm. you know, um, talking with that. I, for me, it's a little scary because the, the first project, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of like, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. Now, you know, the first album's out. I think this is the dreaded sophomore album. Now I, I need to grow. I need to now really establish, you know, Amber Lunas is as this is the type of artist and sound that I want. You know, it, I feel like I feel a lot of pressure. I feel I pressure. You. I hear you. How would you describe the, you know, the song stylings on the next record? Like more of what we've heard from you so far? New directions? Um, I think, I don't want to steer away too far, but more like where I was thinking more like layering, layering in some of the music. I want to, I want to play, um, you know, of course, saxophone and do some more singing type mm. stuff um mm. just i want to expand more on my on my um improv and how that looks um i've been working on it you know just trying to communicate what i want to say more in my improv in my improvisational mm-hmm. type stuff um mm-hmm. but just to show growth that's kind of the the biggest thing you know like wow you know we love this first album it was fun and this and this but I don't want to take the fun out of it but I also want to show people that I'm still a serious musician and and show them it's like okay she has the chops and you know right right so it's a very fine line that I'm straddling just because I do want to still keep the fun aspect of that because that's me. That's, that's totally. nastiness. Yeah. Well, I, I think we see that. Plans to then get out and potentially do some performances outside of Kansas City? Oh, most definitely. Um, so I'm planning on going to Chile in June. <laughs> um, I'm actually teaching an international jazz class starting in January. And so that's leading up to the big opening of the jazz festival that's happening in Chile in June that I'll be going to with Ariana Numanti. Do you know who she oh, is? Oh, love Ariana, yeah. Oh, I know, I have a girl crush. She plays on uh, Fritz's record. Yes, so. Yeah, she's super talented. Super duper, I, I admire her, um, love that. Um, I wanna do, I wanna do more to where I am, um, advocating for more women instrumentalists. I was kind of doing that before the pandemic. Um, I was very, I was honored to be on, on the jam, the cover of jam withholding my instrument. So that was a huge thing for me because I didn't see that a lot. Mm -hmm. I I didn't see. And so I want to do more of that. I want to, um, I want to do more of speaking, um, more like speaking engagements and talking about you know, women and minority women in music. And, um, and I was doing that a little bit before the pre-pandemic, but, you know, the momentum kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, there's, I have a few things up my sleeve. I've always said that I wanted, I've started on um, some, um, uh, what do you call it, method books. So uh, oh, right. the Pretty right. in a series. Great. <laughs> So because I've had, yeah, so since I've, you know, I've been teaching, I have years of experience of teaching, I've had my studio for, I don't know, 
over 15 years, I'm like, why am I sending these kids to buy these Rubank books where I can like, mm, buy my books, you know? (laughs) And so I feel like now that I have the credibility to my name and, you know, I have the degree, you know, I I can write my own book and I would like to put that out um, eventually, you know, the Flea Nationalist series um, style of playing. I've seen several artists do that this past year, you know, during the pandemic, not with free time, but with, they've reflected like, why am I not, you know, using the materials and the curriculum I've developed myself to to teach others. Yes, just creating other revenues Uh, of income if if it's not performing. And I've been telling this to a lot of my other musician friends, like I did a couple of flute flute packs you know, where I, I'm getting royalties from it, you know, I'm getting, you know, it'll pop in mm-hmm. every quarter. So I want to do more of that, um, playing on other people's projects, um, just things like that. And also, um, I was telling Calvin, I was like, it's all about getting contracts with commas, contracts with commas for 2022 um you know mm-hmm. being being like you were talking about being able to put artists like me or like calvin or like whomever in spaces where they wouldn't normally be seen um and i think and there's definitely an audience and a need for that um and i think that people will definitely pay to see that um because i mean we're, we're doing it yeah so um, that's that's where I'm kind of looking for, you know. I I do the other little spots in Kansas City more just for the public and my fans that come and see, but I I don't want to be an artist where I'm readily always available. I want to be an artist where you have to plan and put on the calendar. Like I don't get to see her all the time. So I definitely want to go see a show because you're going to see a show from top to bottom. You might see me change in different outfits. You might, you're going to have the orange, you know, you're going to get a show. Like when I think of a show, I'm thinking like I'm performing at T-Mobile or I'm thinking Mm -hmm. as a jazz artist, not like a pop, but as a jazz artist, but you're still going to get a really great visual and entertaining show. I'm so ready to see you now. Come on. <laughs> I'm excited. Like I've had this plan in my head for, for a long time. I was like, I want to see it. I want to see, I want smoke. I want light. I want fire. I want this. I'm like, give it to me all. <laughs> I was like, yes, you're coming to see me play the flute. You're like, what time are you showing? I was like, you're, but you're going to get it all. You're going to forget that I'm playing the flute and you're going to get this top to bottom show for an hour and whatever, 30 minutes, you know? I'm so eager. I will be front row this Saturday. And I realize it's Christmas music, but I have the fire in mind. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's going to be fire at the Kansas City Museum, but, <laughs> but I think between me, between me and Calvin, we'll bring the fire. You don't miss, but the power is revealed. And the presence. 
essence of his perfect lips, I know it might sound funny, maybe slightly absurd, but his hands are equally skilled. What's going on here? Welcome back to Center Cuts. We are still here with Ms. Amber Underwood, Flutie Nastiness. How are you doing, Amber? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I feel like we could talk with you all day. That's usually a an issue with our podcast as Chris and I blow way past the hour, 90 minutes, and then well on to two hours. I hope we're not taking up too much of your time on this lovely Tuesday. Chris, Taco Tuesday. It is Taco Tuesday. Yeah. And I know you're a fan, by the way. I follow I you know. on socials. Oh, I love a Taco Tuesday. <laughs> and that, that could segue into our next segment very nicely, by the way. Chris Maury, you're doing all right? Yeah, I also a big fan of tacos. Last Tuesday, I ordered a bunch of tacos El Gallo and had a bunch of delicious tacos. Mm, I'm starving. It's like 117. Chris has not got my mind spinning. God, I never get phone calls um, <laughs> about Boulevardia and how we get some wrestling involved this year. Um, Chris Hagarian, if you're listening. Um, okay, so we talked a little about our calendar. Lots of stuff happening in this holiday month. We talked a little bit about Amber's life growing up, moving to more of the dark side and Shawnee Mission. For <laughs> Early, and that's what you said. Yeah, that's what I said. Her early interest in music, foundation, her many, many studies, formally degrees, master's degrees, and informal studies. And then we kind of wrap things up just with some thoughts on her most recent record. I guess we can call it, it's not really your debut record, but maybe your coming out record, I suppose. Yeah, I would say that. And then plans for more world domination and future exploits so, with a whole bunch of sparkles i love it god you and calvin are going to you can sell out the industry next weekend <laughs> or this weekend so this is where we like to talk about something you know you, you enjoy about our city of kansas city something you like anything on your mind and it could be tacos i was gonna say that you know um i'm kind of i'm kind of a foodie and so i um ever since i moved into the city I've discovered a lot of like local spots, you know, and um, I, I really like being in the thread of the heart of the city. I didn't, I get, I didn't get chance to experience that because I'm a suburban kid. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like I'm inside the bubble of, mm -hmm. of things. And um, I really like that about Kansas city. I really like um, going to like the neighborhood coffee shops, the, you know, the, the local restaurants. Um, I really like that. I feel like Kansas City is great when it comes to food, mm. um, uh, restaurant week, I, I, stuff like that. I like that. I like, I like, I feel like we do have a lot of um, festivals, you know, prior to the pandemic before there was things to, people will say there's nothing to do in Kansas City and I was like actually there is there's a lot there's tons of things to do in Kansas City you just have to you have to know where they are and find them out find them out I love discovering new things about Kansas City um and plus it's just home I'm from here my family my, my dad's from here and so Kansas City will definitely always have a, a special place in my heart so um what are your yeah. what are some of your favorite spots then? Uh, some of those local spots that you love to go, we can go ahead and shout them out. Well, I do like I love Lulu's. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Lulu's. Uh, and that was actually a recent discovery because I pass it like all the time. And I finally went and it basically got my back broke on, on everything <laughs> that they have on the menu. Um, what else? I love... Um, Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, yeah, right. um, well, it's, it's also hard. I mean, I'm just being honest yeah. here. We, I cook every day, but we like to eat out, you know, pre-pandemic. It yeah. just took them so long to really get back in that like dining groove. Like in our family, we've sort of made a commitment like every other Thursday, we're going to try to go have a family meal somewhere oh, yes. in the restaurant now that we're vaccinated. Oh, right. Um, like right, Lulu's, right. That, was a, that was a regular, that was a money spot, of course. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Um, and then um, I've been finding, you know, places like um, spots, like say like the, um, in the crossroads, like at the crossroads hotel, you know, they have like little different little spots. You can go and have drinks. I love a place where I can find a really good cocktail. Um, mm-hmm. um, where else did I have a good cocktail? Oh my gosh, I'm going blank, y'all. I love Mother Earth Coffee. Um, coffee house. Oh, yeah. We have really good coffee. Um, all of their stuff is made in house. So I really like stuff that's made in house. Um, I like I like going to that. Um, what's that place down? Um, um, Ray Gun. It's not a food place, but I like like Ray Gun. The, their t-shirts and things that are made by local artists you can pick up at places like that I like stuff like that like classic uh authentic Kansas City where do you find your fashion again I'm just looking at Amber's collection and pretty much everything uh, pretty <laughs> and sparkly kind and of everywhere I know you can kind like of you shop online here. are you going to Kansas City stores oh no this is all like a plethora of different places. I lo- I I do have a, a couple of artists in my pocket that makes things for me, like designers. Oh, I really? love things. Yes, I love things that um, um that I can take and personalize. I have also have a friend that's a stylist. I'm like, can you find this for me? Um, I find stuff online. I go I go to I love um retro vixen on 30 west 39 oh, yeah. west shop they have oh, really yeah. cool things i love boomerang you know just really you know off the wall cool things i kind of incorporate it and put it make it my own in my own um wardrobe yeah my wife is korean she often complains just about the lack of fashion in america mm. and again i'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans which is my uniform um, whereas like in Korea and, and Japan, I mean, it's just fashion central. I'm not necessarily saying expensive and exclusive stuff either. Like people yeah. dress well, they're dressing to it makes impress. me feel better. Like right. that's something that I can control. Like when I go to work, I can't really control everything that goes around me, but I can control what puts, what I put on my body and how it makes me feel. Even if I don't feel very well, like, um, like in my room, I make up my bed every day. I can mm-hmm. control that space. When I walk into my room. I bet it's always made because I feel like mm-hmm. it's the whole point. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm yeah. going to have it. So I don't, you know, when I feel like when I have on a cute outfit, it makes me feel more confident when I step out the door or, you know, that's sure. something that, and maybe it's the control side of me. I don't know, but it just makes me feel good. How do you find those designers? Because again, you know, her complaint is everybody's wearing stuff from Target and Costco. She wants something that's a little different. 
necessarily I think just being in in the um art world you know you meet mm. people and and things and things projects I've been on or whatever and just and I just meet them and you know especially also first Fridays go down first Fridays they got stuff booths and different things set up you meet people and mm-hmm. I was like you know what I like your stuff I reach out to people I find people on social media I see the stuff that they do like I don't know if you can see behind me this painting yeah it's lovely um by Alexander Austin like incredible artist here in the city he's done a lot of stuff with one light two light and three light he's done a lot of that stuff on downtown murals I love his story he's very humble um, this is actually a performance art that they did when I was playing at the Ambassador Hotel. The hotel actually bought this, put it up in the hotel, and then they gifted it to me. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and so he did that while I was performing live. And so, and I have another one in my bedroom. It's a lot bigger, but um, mm. but I just, I love that. I love things that tell a story. Um, I have pieces that tell a story. I like talking pieces. I like things that have drama. You know, when I walk, it like moves and do- <laughs> So I don't know, that's, I, that's the stuff that I tend to gravitate to. Strike up a conversation with the lonely waitress Two sugars on my toast, yeah It's that kind of morning Not much to do or say Individuals go their own way People change like seasons change, yeah It's that kind of story We were more than smoking to mirrors Oh, I touched you myself with these two hands I can feel my heart beat loudly Oh, I miss you myself now you see me, now you don't. The last question, which is going to have this purpose of this podcast, bring it back. Chris and I first started scheming. Music industry-wise, and again, you've, you've been around a little bit, I mean, outside of Kansas City as well. Do you feel like there is a specific area of improvement that Kansas City music, and I, I don't use the word community. I think community is great here. I think people in general are very nice and supportive and collaborative, like we discussed, but, you know, to take our industry to the next level to where artists can, you know, have sustainable careers, stay in Kansas City. Anything you think we can do better? Well, I think across the board, I think we've all said it, that I definitely collaborate with a lot of people. I think that, and I've heard this across the board from many different musicians from different genres, is that this is a great place to um, get your you know, work on stuff, get your feet wet, do different things, experiment, do all that stuff. Um, and I feel like we have some, the best musicians here in, in the country, you know? Absolutely. World, whatever, but I think it's still untapped. Um, and I, I purposely travel outside of Kansas City to see where I stand against other musicians, you know, because, you know, yeah, you get, you play here, you st- if you're playing with the best of the best, how do I know that I'm playing if my playing is to the standard of other people and their and their cities? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, you know, as Kansas City musicians, we have to leave to kind of make it, 
Um, and that has always been the $1 million question. And mm -hmm. I, I also think it's just the, the opportunities and the money and maybe and venues and, you know, it's a lot of factors that contribute to that. And also um, after, after a certain point, you know, when I started, yeah, we were taking certain gigs that paid this much, but now I'm like, well, I'm now I've grown as a musician. Why am I still taking gigs that's still paying the same stuff that was paying 15, 20 years ago? Um, I think I think that has been said a lot. You know, mm -hmm. what are we gonna do? What are we gonna change about that? Um, we have people in positions that's been in, in these same positions for years and won't change. Um, I don't know. I do feel like there should be some new blood in some some areas where and, and not just with um venues but also sitting on some of these art boards like these mm -hmm. like the boards you know and you know making change for the better for the community and um i think there definitely needs to be some new ideas on on how we um go forward and and pushing the genre of I'm just speaking of the of jazz mm -hmm. um I think there we have a lot of talented upcoming young per, not music professionals jazz musicians that have like me <laughs> that have further degrees or whatever that can speak be on behalf of not only themselves but the upcoming generation where I feel I mean you're gonna have to open the door for new blood to come in to bring in new ideas um, to further along the genre and, and for the city. Um, I think sometimes we get stagnant in what we've done. What we've done. Um, uh, I, I do believe that, um, what else? My goodness. Um, I feel like we had like a similar conversation when we had Eddie Moore on, Patrick. I was just, and just we, going to say, Chris. It was, you know, the thoughts of like, hey, we're Kansas City. Like, we're a jazz mecca, right? So, like, why is it that every, like, not every jazz club, but like a lot of jazz clubs in the city are like, you have to play standards. Like, what does that have to do with anything that that we are creating as Kansas Cityans? You know, yeah. nothing, really. Like, nothing, yeah, yeah, the like, standards are there, but we're as jazz musicians, we need to push the genre yeah. and, and be able to create all that stuff. I was like, we we are a jazz city, but we don't hold national or international festivals to bring people here. We why we should be having um an award show where we're giving out like a national or international award show where we're bringing these jazz people to our city, be like you know, the something awards, you know, you like how they have in like, you know, with different things. Right. I just feel right. like, and I feel like it doesn't tell the whole story. No, you no. know, if we're going, if we're going to claim that, then we, then we need to, to be able to tell the whole story. And I just feel like that gets caught up in maybe the city money, other. We just politics. need, we need to be more proactive in putting these people on like, like somebody like Chalice, somebody like Ernest Melton, somebody like these people oh, need to be phenomenal. like, yeah, like what Patrick has said numerous times on here is like Kansas City will always claim jazz, right? But then if you stop at Kansas City and ask them, name a jazz artist in town, 
they're unless they work in music or they're like in the industry in some form or fashion, they will not be able to tell you a jazz they artist. Would, they would not. Yeah. Oh, and then um, one person told me what we should start doing is start featuring our own jazz artists and putting them up on putting them up on billboards. Yeah. Start putting. I was like, why are we not showcasing what we already have here so people can get to know who the jazz people are? Why are we not being showcased when people are coming right into the airport or like? you should be able to hear kind of like when you go to new orleans it's like in the fabrics of when you come to the city like when you drop down into new orleans you have you know people everywhere playing i was like well you know yeah we sometimes have it on the streetcar or whatever but we should be hiring these musicians at different places everywhere in the city where you're getting this music i just feel like there's so many opportunities to to really showcase up and coming performers. And I mean, yeah, we based off of a swing town, but I mean, we ain't all swinging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, 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 it's part of the thing you were mentioning too. It was like people leaving, like uh, if we had the infrastructure set up properly, like people like Dom and Logan and Herman yeah. and all these people don't they have, have to leave. They don't have to leave. You know, they, they may want to. Claim. They still may want to travel and everything, but yeah. like they could but still they claim, claim claim them once they left. Like, oh, we have these, we have these people. I was like, well, why didn't why didn't you support them when they were here? Why when they're here? And it's it's another thing too. It's like it's like we don't have a listening room. So every jazz, like we're a jazz city, but every jazz club mostly in the town is it's like a a party atmosphere type of thing where there's not really a cover being charged like so how how are these people getting paid like compensated correctly we're getting paid um to be background music in a restaurant or that right and um and to be able and i know the gym is starting to do this where they're bringing in artists to where they can showcase more of their original work and i think that needs to be praised more um, instead of just being glorified, what do you call it? Cover <laughs> players or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I can take a cover tune and kind of put a spin on it and do whatever. And people like that. Yeah, we can work it in. But I want you to be calling out my original work. Oh, we want to hear, we want to hear strobe live. We want to hear and know and know the words and know. And that's, and that's what we want as artists, you know? Yeah, we have a separate entity for the, you know, the wedding bands and the corporate bands they have. There's a place for those, but it's also a place for the Chalices and the Logans and Amber Fully Nastiness. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, so and, and just being able to, and then having, and not having to always sell ourselves on like, okay, this is what I am. And you just need to see the show. I'm like, how, how do I describe myself um, in so many words to a venue owner, what I do to try to get booked and this, and they was like, well, well how many um, followers do you have? Or how many, <laughs> you know, I, I don't yeah. know. It's always like a catch 22, you know? Um, I just wish it was better on that end because as coming out with new music and all this stuff, I was like, I don't wanna be an artist that puts out great music and never be discovered or never mm-hmm. get heard because we have so many people that are here in the city that are so great. I um, admire them. And I think we're all in that same kind of pool of what, how do we, 
what do we how do we get to you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i'm hearing that you know branding from the city's perspective or our record labels here our press here is really the challenge i mean the names you've all just mentioned now all phenomenal artists the artists that you mentioned on your latest record amber i mean seriously top of the talent yeah P- peter and all these people like these people are are like incredible artists like yeah. i and like just the other day i saw one of the people we were talking about at his other job and i was like ah oh. it like yeah. bummed me out not not that like somebody has to work a part-time job like that's a normal thing it just bummed me out because i know what they're capable of what doing. his worth is yeah and yeah. like what he's actually capable of i don't think people realize what yeah. people's worth is and what they do yeah and yeah, yeah i agree with you i guess i'm getting back to this branding idea just a couple of weeks ago um we were invited and got tickets to a, a special performance crystal warren who lives mm. in paris now was yeah. visiting and it was a benefit for ashley fairchild jones um, she had her car stolen and was scheduled before the pandemic and then stuff happened right nevertheless they had this performance at um, peregrine honnick's greenwood social hall and you had jeff harshbarger on bass mm-hmm. you had brad cox on piano keys and you had mike stover on like 25 string instruments and as i looked around i mean it's the most special performance ever of the 100 people who were there they're all like you mentioned chris people in the music industry like people in the know and i just thought to myself like how does how did this well, not this get out to been, everyone yeah like no but like amber said like this show should have been on every billboard around town like this is a performance worth a hundred dollars a person in the freaking sprint center people need to know who we are and then make us like i don't want to maybe like home, kind of quote unquote hometown celebrities like yes. oh did you know that such and such is going to be here they know our names they yeah. know what we're doing and not like you said not just in the music but like you know maybe there's a middle school girl out there that plays the flute and they, they don't know who i am yeah they don't know who i am like i might want to do that like representation yeah so i mean represent- I, I can't even tell you the amount of times i've like leaned over to Devin and been like you're talking to like the best trumpet player in Kansas city right now, yeah. or like, or like something like that, like us walking, like telling her about Chris Hazleton performing on his porch and just like walking a couple blocks and going to sit and watch that. She was like, this is amazing. He's incredible. I was like, I know he's amazing. Yeah. And he's he, amazing. You know, He's just like right down the street and doing, you know, it's just like the, we Kansas city has got to, figure out a way to shine a better light on the people that are making their own jazz music, like their own music here in Kansas city. It can be anything. There's well, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about specifically the jazz community and how we claim it so hard. Oh, right. right, right, But we just, it's not, it's almost like, it's almost like a fake claim. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It is very frustrating. And I mean, I guess we're like you asked, Patrick, where do we start? Do we start with, do we start with media? Do we start with news or like the papers or, you know, where to, or the city just putting in like a budget for enough for music and arts, you know, I guess what is important, you know, and I'm not sitting in on those meetings where, right. you know, you're putting in money to, you know, you know, I'm not having those conversations, you know, and these are the conversations that we need to be having with our, 
our city leaders and things like that, because that's where it's going to come down to, you know, um, yeah, I can go out and get my own billboard and promote myself. And I've seen some people do that, but they're like, well, who is that? We got, we got to introduce, reintroduce ourselves. Like I'll sound like Jay-Z. <laughs> Allow me to reintroduce myself. myself. Yeah. Let, you Break know, it down. Yes. Reintroduce <laughs> ourselves to who we are and that we are here in Kansas city and we are creating this great music. Yeah. You might see us at the Plaza Art Fair. You might see us here or whatever, but then they, they tend to pull of course, national acts and things like that, but make us to where like, oh, I want to go see, you'll still have the national acts, but we're, we're just as good, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that that's a huge part. And I think if you ask any musician or performer, they're probably going to say the same thing. You know, yeah. um, I think that has been a huge issue um, and it will continue to be an issue until, you know, we either do something about it um, or not. I mean, right now, I mean, where, where are music unions? Where, you know, I was, I mean, they're there, but what are they, what are they doing to help our, you know, musicians right now? Mm-hmm. Um, is it worth for me? I know I'm part of SAG. I'm part of, you know, because I've done commercials and movies and stuff like that, but you know, and that's com- completely different. But what about my local music union and what are they doing for the local artists right now? You know, if you ask my age or younger, I'd be like, are you part of the union? They'll probably say no. <laughs> you know, maybe, the, you know, maybe that needs to be, I don't know, I'm just throwing out things right. that these are things that, you know, the union would maybe get involved and ha- be sitting at these, these, these tables with the city and, you know, how to provide and, bring more awareness um to the city i don't know you know mm-hmm. this is it is kind of above my pay grade but <laughs> and it's not exactly playing devil's advocate but i it just starts to beg the question for me again like is it possible though that people just aren't interested and i'm not meaning any disrespect to any type it's not mm. just jazz artists like yeah just kansas city and aren't interested in original music they want top 40 or commercial things. I mean, people don't even listen to radio anymore or is I mean, it they just aren't aware and if they were aware, your, they would be. It depends on how you're promoting. I'm like, people will get instrument if inst- interested if it's presented to them in the right way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, if it's know? hot. Yeah, if it's hot, Correct. make it hot. Like, who is this person? Like, oh, or maybe, you know, I'm going to the, around into the school. They're go, they're getting into the schools. They're coming, the sh- you know, do performance. I remember growing up. I feel like oh yeah, I hear you doing stuff like that. We don't have that anymore. Where you know people are coming to the schools and showcasing what they're doing. Because some of the kids, I mean, I ha- I do it for my kids. I mean, my kids would be like, Miss Underwood, you're like Google famous. You're like this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not famous, you know, it's like oh, I saw you on a commercial. You know. I try to show kids and I brought, I brought Kadesh into my class. He brought his trombone and did some stuff. I brought Desmond, you know, talking about what he does, you know, because they don't see it. I'm like, they're not mm-hmm. going into the schools, um, especially where I'm at. Now, I don't know what's going on in suburbia, but I, I don't they're know. Not, they're not bringing you and Kadesh and Desmond in. I can tell you that right well, now. Well, and think about yeah. too, how many of these, of these jazz artists are educators as well. Like Amber, you're an educator. Marcus is now an educator at UMKC. Eddie Moore is an educator at KU. Like these people are not just like, oh, they're just an artist and like whatever. Like there's like 
they have stuff to teach people and to show people. Of and course. I feel like yeah. we just need to utilize it better. Oh, well, of course. That, that also goes beyond sometimes the best teachers are people without the pieces of paper. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they don't have a certificate, but they can explain. They yeah. can work with young people, especially as mentors. Um, and to see themselves. And also, I always thought that representation matters. And so um, to see themselves, like, you know, uh, I learned a lot of my stuff from people that didn't have a piece a piece of paper. Right. You know? um, so I don't know where to start with that. Yeah. Um, I do. We're gonna put you on a billboard, Amber. On like the <laughs> was, I'm not freaking joking. I am so ready. You know, You're I'm always ready for star. a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> um god dang but I, I i do think like when you're driving down 35 or 70 yeah you should be seeing local artists see chris hazelton see i mean like what he does with boogaloo and like it's phenomenal put peter up there yeah. uh, put matt bellinger put ebony or put you know mark lowry i mean yeah. these are people that are staples in kansas city and they have create great music and so you know, and, and then some of these upcoming like jazz people that are coming out of UMKC right now. I mean, they're at the jam sessions. There's like this one black kid that's on vibes. I've been seen on at the jam session at the blue room. I don't know who he is. I've been, and they've gotten video. I was like, who is this guy? I mean, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Some young yeah. kid. He's like, I mean, I mean like all over the place, you know, yeah. like we need to start. Yeah. So Promote. But whenever you're ready, I'm ready for my close-up on the okay. billboard. <laughs> oh, hey, we are so, Amber, we're so appreciative of your time. Yeah. Tell our audience, you. oh, thank you. Tell the audience how they can best track you down. Like, So you can find me on all social media under Flutie Nastiness, spelled F-L-U-T-I-E, Nastiness. Um, you can either type my name in Amber Underwood flute and everything will pop up. Um, I'm on Twitter under flutie nastiness, Instagram under flutie nastiness. So everything is basically under flutie nastiness and, um, I will pop up somewhere. Okay. Yeah. All, music on all music streaming with, platforms. Yeah. Music on all streaming platforms. You can get it everywhere anywhere however you get your music i will be under the i'll be there it won't be under amber underwood it will be under flutie nastiness um okay. and yeah so yeah okay That's how you i am me. excited to see you this weekend i know you know what now that you say i was like i need to touch on some of those on some of those pieces i was like how often do you practice christmas music <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> until Christmas rolls around you're like dang I should have been practicing some Christmas music <laughs> but it'll be fun Calvin sent me a couple of recordings he's working on some stuff so I was like it'll be fine it'll be fine we got this <laughs> awesome yeah. wishing you happy holidays and stay safe and again I would just want to major major respect to you for staying in the classroom and working with young people that really need Again, someone to someone to be there for them, to make a connection to, to stay in school, to yes. do well, to you know, make our city stronger. So thank you so much. Thank you, so thank you much. Patrick. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's nice meeting you. Whenever you need somebody else to come come back in, I'm I'm your gal. Just hit me up. For sure. Absolutely. 
Chris, thank, thanks as always. I'm going to come bother you soon. And let's talk about this uh, wrestling world domination as well. Excited for you. Um, that's it. Kansas City, stay safe, stay strong. Peace out.